0: Hey guys, it's Gary Vay, Nurchuk, and this is the Gary V Audio Experience. On this episode of the Gary V Audio Experience, Gary sits down for a fireside chat with Vander Media summer interns and talks about things like dealing with doubt, expanding a retail brand outside of its physical presence, and his opinions on sports leagues putting advertising on their jerseys. My question is what was the most or what is the most important year of your life? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think <laughs> I think the most important year of my life was the first one because I think what I'm talking uh, about in business. oh, in business. Uh, um I would say the first one. I had unbelievable bravado going into my dad's liquor store, right? I'd I'd been working in it since I was 14 so I had a lot of experience. I was a completely shit student and my whole claim was, you know, I'm a shit student but I'm gonna be more successful than all of you when I talk to my friends. And so, like, I really talked a lot of shit. Like, for, and so that first year I just remember being like, obsessed. Like, this is really fun to tell you guys because it's basically around the same age. Like, I don't know if you can imagine, maybe you can depending on how you roll, Like the day I ended school, I drove from Boston to New Jersey and worked in the liquor store that night and basically didn't stop for seven years but let's say didn't stop in that first year like genuinely, again at this young of an age, no Jersey Shore, no dating, no hanging out, no wiffle ball, no nothing. 7 a.m., liquor store, 11 p.m., leave every day seven days a week, sleep on Sunday because it was a half a day, right? Like, just fucking pot committed all in. And what happened was at the end of that year, the business went from three to 10 million in the first year. Which is, if any of you come from a family business or it's not super hard to understand when you don't come from a whole, whole lot, that is such a big difference. That is such a, wait a minute, that is such a, wait a minute, I had to buy my car at a garage sale AJ got a new Lexus. What the fuck? You know, like like it was such a game changer. So it was the first year because I think I had a lot of pent-up bravado. but I, I'm sure I had, I'm trying to recall, I'm sure I had, no, I definitely had. I definitely had my one percent of doubt. well, what if I'm just full of shit? What if I'm better? What if I'm talking too much shit? Like, what's going to happen? Having that first year under my belt and having such a crazy success? it allowed, I mean, you know, it's been on since then, right? Like it hasn't been very difficult to like believe in myself since. All right. cool. Um All right, so would you say... You're how are you guys, he- how you guys hearing this, okay? This is probably better. You might get some <laughs> weird chin action, but... Don't look. Go ahead. Uh, would you say that your upraisings and your relationships to your family as a whole sort of correlates to your relationship with your employees and how you... Yeah. I absolutely, easily, with no hesitation, will tell you right now that my mom has a bigger impact on this culture than anybody besides me. Hundred percent, the way I was parented, and and obviously the DNA that I think I took from her. Um, yes, and very weirdly, and you know, I would tell you that I saw my dad do a lot of things I don't believe in. You know, as a Soviet businessman, you know. It's, you know I was mad at him as a kid, now I understand it much better. When you grow up, and you guys are all about the age my dad was when he came to America, so you've lived uh, your whole life. If you go move now to a communist country or somewhere that's very different than America, everything that you've been taught here comes with you. In Russia, it was communism. Which meant everything was the black market. Which meant at every business in Russia, people stole. Everyone. Every business in the country, since it was owned by the country, for people to survive, everything was done on the black market. So if you worked at a food store, you stole from the back room and then you sold that shit on the black market and that's just how the whole country worked. So my dad really looked at his employees as his enemies. He didn't trust them at all. And it created a very negative culture. As a 14, 15-year-old kid working at my dad's liquor store, they hated my dad which they took out on me. I wasn't super tough, it sucked Uh, and so um, I saw the things I didn't want and then I had my own natural DNA and then I had the way I was parented so I would say yes. It is no question the foundation. Hey. Um, So obviously you have to be pretty ballsy to run a business like this, you're not very risk averse. How do you evaluate what Risks are worth the reward, or do you just kind of like jump in with both feet? I jump in with both feet once I make the binary decision that it's worth the risk. And basically, my judgment on everything we do, including this fucking rent, is scary as shit. You know? (laughs) So, you know, even stuff like that. Basically, I think about doomsday. I basically can afford if this company goes to dead zero from 100 million revenue that we're gonna do this year to dead zero. I can afford personally to pay off the 10-year rent of this place so I basically make every risk based on if everything goes terrible, does it kill me? As long as the answer is no, then I'll do it if I think it's interesting. Basically, I take it right to death blow but I will never bet and a lot of people do bet on death blow. A lot of people make bets that if they don't play out, they're dead. I do not do that. That's my immigrant in me, like I won't let that happen. But I go right to the edge of that and as things get bigger they become bigger bets. Um, so you're right, I'm super. Co- I'm only comfortable in risk. I'm uncomfortable in the alternative and so um, right up to death and, and death being in a sense out of business. Like I'm very comfortable if VaynerMedia has to go back to six people. I prefer not. That would feel weird and bad but I'm comfortable. I deserve it, means I fucked up a lot in a row. The truth is I think I might have fabricated that 1% of doubt. As I don't know if you heard, I was like trying to remember if that was there. I, I basically deal with doubt by not doing anything that I have doubt in and only doing things that I have complete confidence in. I'm, I'm a little bit countercultural to this. I think you shouldn't work on your shortcomings. I'm serious. I, I think you're far better off putting all your energy in accentuating your strengths than spending your time on your shortcomings. And so the reason I feel confident is because you've never seen me read in public. Because boy, would I feel, like I don't even read at Passover fucking dinner. I don't even like reading, my daughter now really knows how to read and I'm like, uh like, I'm not gonna read to her anymore. Let's make up stories, Misha. Like, like, like I'm such a poor reader, I'm being dead serious right now. So like. Like I just you know, but then I can speak in front of twenty five thousand people like I did last week, like like cake, right, so like to to answer your question, I think for me, to give you the real answer for me, I level it up and just eliminate things that bring doubt into my world, and just don't do them and only spend more time doing the things that i'm good at and like that might have worked out for me. Like there may be some hardcore things like confidence in itself that like this doesn't map for everybody but that's my real answer like I mean there's a lot of things I know I can't do or I would have doubt in. I just don't do them. And that might sound weird but like it's just the truth. I don't know. Like I don't know. I just don't think there's that much time. I really don't want to use it on things that I can't solve. Like we have way too many things that are hardwired into us. It's kind of how I think about minorities and sexism in the market like you can sit here, there's minorities in here, there are females in here, there's people that came from bad family situations. Not, like you can sit here and list everything that is bad about why you don't have as easy as the white boys in here. The problem is nobody gives a fuck. The market doesn't care in the same way it will reward you. It doesn't care where you came from. If you've got the best product, if you're the best at it, it will reward you. It's the thing I'm most proud of here. Like, it's why people win here. Like, I don't care. I even, we even hire Patriot fans. You know? So, like that's something I would really, that's probably the one prejudice thing of Vayner. So, so you know, I think of doubt that way too. Like, like dwelling, on how you wish it was, or being aspirational to this nirvana of a perfect world is about as big of a waste of time as it gets. I'd rather, I'd rather just look at what it is and go. So at the All Hands meeting, do you emphasize speed? Speed. Um, my question to you is actually kind of uh, piggybacking off what James mentioned at his fireside chat about control speed and chaotic speed. Yeah. What's your take on making sure that the intermediate continues at a control speed and how can you apply that to us to make sure that our endeavors in the future we maintain control speed not chaotic speed? Well, I mean, I have no way of really controlling that for you other than inspiring the debate within your head if you thought about, if you never thought about control speed and chaotic speed before, you leave this experience with like, oh, that's something and you may recognize it in the wild one day, right? As far as how I think about it, I think that much like culture or meritocracy or anything in life, it depends on the judge and the jury. I can promise you that the Mendoza line difference of what I think is controlled in chaotic speed and what James thinks is controlled in chaotic speed are very different definitions. Just like what you may think is pretty or cool or relevant is different than other people in this thing. So I think it's about understanding yourself. I'm way more comfortable going chaotic than James is and I think it's super in control. It's why I've had businesses that have been successful. I mean, I love when I bring in people like James or even the way AJ looked at the world or other people. They're like, no, 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 no. I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. I've done this. I do this. Like, how do you think we got here? You know, because if you go to controlled speed, we're still 49 people doing six million. How do I define it? The results. I wouldn't take on a political candidate as a client right now because I don't think the maturity of this company is in the right place to do that. I think it would be a lot of conversation and a lot of emotion and a lot of debate in this company if we did. I just don't think that's the right thing to do. As far as what do I think they should do, I think they should attention arbitrage just like VaynerMedia does. Like everything is based on that, nothing else. Where is the most underpriced attention? And I would try to get that. And so it comes in a lot of different forms. For example, if I was running for President of the United States right now, I would spend all my time in the battleground states and I would try to scale one-on-one. I would literally be in Ohio right now knocking on every door and maybe I'd have D-Rock following me around to make the content that I need to spread for the rest of the world but I would be there one-on-one because that's where I need to win. Got it? So I think it's it's doing hand-to-hand dirty combat, getting dirt under your fingernails where it matters and then using content collection along the way as distribution. So whatever I told Anne Marie in Dayton, Ohio might have been smart and cool or clever or quotable, take that click, clip and deploy it across the entire country, got it? But be in Dayton, Ohio. But be in Florida. Because that's gonna be it. Ruth, where do I think this company's gonna be in 20 years? Ruth, I have no fucking idea. (laughs) You know, Ruth, I don't really dream about stuff like that to be very frank with you. Like, I don't know if I ever thought about, you know, I took over the company really day to day five years ago. We were 30 people. And I don't know if I, I didn't think five years ago, I'm like, ooh, in in five years we're gonna be 700 people and this and that, like, I don't, I really just think about buying the New York Jets professionally and then I don't think about anything else in between, I just kind of execute. And I feel like if I execute, it will work itself out. You know? But I will tell you on a more strategic level, I knew that I wanted to build the best marketing machine in the world, whether that meant, because I wanted to have it for myself to sell stuff to if one day I do want a political person in place, I could do that. If, you know, I knew I, I built, I've built this for myself. Like the reason I know VaynerMedia doesn't sell is because nobody is gonna pay, for me to jump off of having this for myself is not at a number that any sane person would pay for this company. What do you mean doesn't sell? Right. What do you mean doesn't sell? Well like why won't I sell VaynerMedia? Right, like the reason I won't sell is because I want it for myself and if I sell it then I'm not in control. Um, Now, if you're an old school wrestling fan like I am, the million dollar man used to say everybody's got a price and he's right. Like if, if, you know, if if, if Viacom wants to walk in and pay me five billion dollars for VaynerMedia right now, fucking selling. But like, but like, but I wouldn't sell Vayner for a billion today and it's, on paper with worth 350, dollars right? So like, nobody's gonna pay what I want to give up the dream of having it for myself. And so, when I think in long term, I just want it. Like when I look, you know what I think about? You know, it's the, actually what I thought about when I walked here. I said, I wonder if the CEO of VaynerMedia is sitting in this meeting today. Like I think about who's gonna run this when I decide to use it for something else. If I go and buy, K-Swiss sneakers because I think I can compete with Under Armour and Nike because we do our thing better than anybody else. That means I'm gonna be the CEO of K-Swiss. Who's gonna be the CEO and the management team of this company? So I think more now about who and when than like anything else. Hey. So I worked on the animation team so in the studio. Yep. Guys, I figured, I'll start repeating the question. I realize I'm not setting you up for success. So, how are we gonna differentiate in five years? Are we gonna do VR stuff? How are we gonna be different? Mm -hmm. I think the reason we'll always be special, especially if I'm really controlling it, and by the way, I don't know if I'm gonna be CEO for 15 years, three, 19. As long as I'm the CEO, we're gonna win because I'm really good at buying underpriced attention. Right, so like, the way we're gonna differentiate is the way we differentiate today, which is we just fundamentally understand the current state of marketing better than others. And so, that's it. Like That's the easiest question for me to answer because I don't know anything other, of course VR, of course AR, of course the thing that Karen in Tulsa, you know, is right now inventing that's gonna be important in three years. Yes, because I only wanna break us. The only job I have every day is to wake up and put this company out of business by us being the ones that put ourselves out of business versus letting somebody out there do it for us. Got it? So we'll only innovate. You guys heard it all hands on. The only thing I can promise is change. You don't like change? Get the fuck out. Because this is not gonna be a good place for you because it's the only norm. And, and just so you know, at scale, big companies, 100 people, 10 million in revenue, that gets hard. People don't like change. You're on a little bit of the younger side but even your own DNA may not like change. Change is what most people hate. Definitely after a certain period in your life, mid-30s, hate and even 50% of this young crew hate because it's hardwired. Change is hard. Question is, he's in a similar spot as me. His dad's got a hardware store, he wants to blow it up. What what general advice? So, I'm gonna give you a very interesting answer. The first thing you have to do is get religious and mental buy-in from your dad. It doesn't matter what the tactics are. Shopify, Micmac, you know. NFC technology, multiple locations, JVs, influencer marketing, none of that shit matters if you don't have the room to do it. So let me ask you, do you think you're gonna have the room to do it? Yeah, that is Great, so then, then I think, sure. And what I mean by that is, you're here, you're paying attention, I'm not gonna tell you anything that's super crazy. If you're not on Ecom, you've gotta make that investment it's got to be shopify it's got to be amazon services ebay you've I, my biggest advice to you is to build the brand hardware stores are not differentiated like and so is it in new york or new jersey you know as you know as you know like so many people go to hardware stores here completely based on location it's completely convenience based what you need to do and this is what i did in my dad's store i remember thinking in retail everybody says location 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 right And I remember thinking that's the only thing I care about breaking. And I think if you have that religious mentality that like the one thing you don't want to be at the mercy of is the location of the store, then you start thinking about selling to people through online. Then you start thinking about becoming a destination people want to go to. Why? Like is your brooms and screws and drills so much better? Absolutely not. So the fuck are you going to create? So you have to create that differentiation. You got it you like soccer leagues overseas. One more time. Soccer leagues. Soccer overseas. leagues. Soccer teams, they have like brand. Brands of- on the jerseys. there talks in the NBA Not league. talks, the NBA's doing it. Right, so what do you think will happen with them bringing brands and bringing sponsors onto jerseys in the four major sports? Both. F- if you somehow owned, or <laughs> was the manager of the MLB, NFI, NHL NBA, what would you want to do with that opportunity? So I think it's inevitable that all four sports, you have to understand, sports is business. The NBA's gonna do this. We're not gonna freak out that there's a Pepsi logo on the Bulls jersey. We don't give a fuck. The leagues will realize that. The next day they'll all do it. And that's gonna be a big business for them because I can tell you one thing I don't want our clients to do, buy signage in stadiums because it's overpriced. Because when I was a kid, you go to a stadium, and during stoppage of play, you looked around. Because you didn't have anything else to fucking do. And you saw the Pepsi sign. Oh, Pepsi. Now, you grab your phone, and you don't look around. And they're just overpriced. Signage is shit in stadium. It's one of the most overpriced products in the world. And the brands are getting pissed, and they want, you're gonna have to look at the players. So I think everybody will do it. how about like, uh, when someone's checking to the sports table, Yep, TV and that air exposure you still feel like would be more like 100 percent There's nothing or remember, I only trade attention. I can promise you, as much as you look at the table, as much as you the one thing you're always looking at is the fucking player. Yeah, I think they're going to be pimped out head to toe with every fucking logo you know. You got it. so a lot of us here are going back to like our last year of school. Yeah, sorry. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I hate hated school. You may love it. Plus, it's so fun. It's so easy. You're going to hook up, have fun. I think it's kind of the last chance where you actually get to like learn any skill that you think you need to learn without having to go do it on your own. And kind of get the chance to pay someone teach you. So, in this industry, what skill do you think we should make sure we hunt in before we graduate and that You mean on the side or in the classroom at your, university? In your classroom at the university None So on the side It is my 100% belief <laughs> <laughs> You know I think the question is what should we learn in our last year if it's our last year since we're you know getting paid to learn or I think you're paying them That's but paid. oh you're paying to learn Yeah okay Yeah man I got to tell you like I, I don't, nah, the whole college business model is the most fascinating so, I, you know, and that's the point, right? You're literally paying and I genuinely believe in marketing. There's not a school right now teaching anything that's right. They're just not. How many of you are in marketing classes? What does it look like? Right. So like, fuck me. Um, anyway, <laughs> I think the best thing you should do, to be very frank with you, bro, Honestly, I think you're about to start the part of your life where you're gonna learn where it matters on the field, right? I may throw you guys for a loop on this one. I actually think you should just enjoy the living shit out of this last year. I'm, I'm not kidding. Like, you know, if you're, a, if you're me, well then you'd be selling shit and starting a business on the side anyway. But if you're not like dying to do, like I wouldn't have gone to a fucking internship. Like, so like 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 um like I was broken, like I could only do it my way, you know, like I barely even went into my dad's liquor store like i i I was making three thousand dollars a weekend selling baseball cards when I was fourteen, like i I was good, like, so I think that my intuition is if you even have this internship, right, that the real answer is fucking, don't fail, I guess, because maybe your parents would be upset, but then like. I don't know, like, and if you want to learn, I think you'll learn more, the truth is unless you start your own business, which will take a lot of time, which I'm trying to debate is that valuable to you in your last year when you should probably milk this ridiculous year that you're living, which many may think is the greatest single year of your life, right? Other than that, you're gonna learn more in the first 100 days of your job coming out than there, so like, to me it's, just, it, it's back to like betting on strengths and weaknesses. The, the value exchange here feels like fuck it, just, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you're into that? <laughs> Sounds like a good strat. Um, how would you like, suggest an intern low-level employee or like you in a fan above you drag this kind of garbage without being an asshole about it? First to make sure that you always deploy a lot of humility because nobody wants to, because you might be wrong. And if you're wrong, you're fucked. Because if you're the intern that said to my face this is garbage and you're wrong, that's bad. Now if you're right, it's phenomenal. So I, even if you really closely pay attention to my public content, I'm really good at giving you honey before I give you vinegar. So my answer is to hedge it. Like, hey, Mark, Mark <laughs> Evans, I think you're, you're the best and I really don't know. I weirdly for some reason feel compelled to tell you your idea is shit, right? I, I think you have to hedge it because you have, to be, you have to really be sure you're right. Plus the other thing, my man, that you really need to pay attention to David is, is it's subjective. So like one of the biggest problems is you may have something that's an opinion and then you're telling somebody above you that they're wrong. There's no way to prove if it's wrong or right and they're just gonna impose their seniority on you and it's gonna suck shit. That's why the battles I fight, are prover, you can prove them out. You know? I also think you should go home and try to figure out why that matters so much to you because I think it's actually a very interesting question that has both good and bad in it and you should break it down. We need to jam on that. Alright, um, so I know earlier in the summer you made a about about like internships. I did. Um, but it did really well. Last summer I read an article that you you had written Uh and it was about, yeah, it was about, well I don't want to misquote but the gist of it was like your internship program is bullshit and you should be like emailing someone or getting in touch with like way higher up and then you should be just following them or shadowing them. I'm a big believer in that. But my thing is that and where I was a little frustrated reading that I was like. Frustrated? Yeah. Okay. My my thing is that like obviously it's really hard. Like if you really like admire someone and or even you, or if someone came to talk with you and even like your email signature says like basically I'm really busy. Yeah, get, go fuck <laughs> yourself, right. <laughs> <laughs> but if, if, I guess my question is like if there's does have to be like, you? To anyone in general and, like, very high you know, if you were, like, Molly, what do you want to do when you grow up? Do you know yet? It's okay if you don't, I'm just curious, do you? I think I want to work in this space but I don't know. So to me like if you like when when I hear that somebody wants to be the next puff daddy or the next me or the next whatever anybody wants to be whatever whatever you want to be at whatever level right I genuinely believe that you should spend all your time to try to go get an internship to be as close to that person as if anybody here actually wanted to be the next me I think that they should have tried to be the intern on my team versus an intern at VaynerMedia. I believe that. I genuinely believe the closer you can get to the sun of what you want to be, the more likely you'll learn. My question is like how do you do that? By relentless fucking pursuit. So if it, like, even if your email says don't talk to me for Especially. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that. It's just the audacity to find the right balance. It's really actually interesting. It's not super different than David's Question in some ways, how do you find the right cadence and balance to be aggressive without being fucking annoying? There's people that try to reach me every day, lots of them. Some of them immediately through their first three attempts go into I will never fucking interact with this person ever because it's coming from a bad place. Like I get to be the judge and the jury of that's what it tastes like and other people win and eventually get their at-bats. There's, there's a kid I met today for five minutes, like some of these people tried for 15 times to get like, it's, it, to me it's like if you want it so bad, first of all, there may be 34 people that look like you want to be, right? So, you know, there may be 11 hip-hop business mogul people and you can go right down the line and try to hit up, you know, Birdman and P. Diddy, you know, 50 times each, right? So. I think it's worth it, Maul. Honestly, like I think it's worth it. You have to understand the upside's greater than the downside. Um, like to how me, do you, like, say, like, how do you make yourself? I mean, I guess how like, do you make I yourself stand it, out? But like, how do you stand out to the point? You need where to understand like? that person, so you fucking really try to figure out who they are. One of the things I would do is follow them heavily on social and figure out what. The, like, there's a lot of ways to break through. Like, for example, everybody thinks the best way to get a hold of me is to write in the email subject. I'm I'm gonna help you buy the New York Jets. I've got an idea that's gonna help you buy the Jets. I'm gonna help you buy the Jets. The problem is that's what everybody does which means that none of them get through. The answer is I don't know because everybody's got a different unlock. Here's what I do know about Ron Howard and all these different fancy people I know. All of them have been penetrated. All of them. Because winners want to give other winners at bats. We feel guilt and we have to pay back to the thing that put us there. And they all do it. And so to me, I think you know, it's fucking cool to try to like pull that off. And I actually think it's just, especially when I think about it from a college, still in college internship level, I think it's like a fun journey. I actually think it's a cool content series to start in September and spend all of September through like March trying to become an intern on team XYZ. I think it's kind of cool. So, yeah. And you know what's funny? It's actually got similarities to my advice in that video which is I think the KPI for you guys being here is there, yep, I mean especially Vayner, especially if you're considering to be in this industry, there are a 100 people in here 50 of which are gonna be very unbelievably senior here one day and 50 that are gonna run shit out there, like that was worth the hello. Like I love that you run in little packs with each other and that's great but you can run with packs of each other in fucking October. And this is the easiest place to randomly say hello. Your friends and homies have much tougher jobs to penetrate that where they're at. So I just think it's, people make the, it's all people. It's all fucking people. 80% of you got here because of people. You had some rabbi that got you into this fucking place. <laughs> it's gotten so hard for us, you know, to your point. Our biggest problem right now is everybody wants their child or best friend's child to be an intern here now. Like next year's a disaster. i am got like fucking 100. We just need another floor. That's my only like, We okay. just need a seat for everyone and then okay. I'll be like very On happy. On it. <laughs> okay. Uh, my question for you is, uh, technology is advancing at an incredibly fast rate nowadays. Yes, Mert. Technology is moving fast. insights <laughs> 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 and getting information on people. What do you think about the way companies are doing it now and in the future? And Do you think that maybe an individual's privacy is being ordered or being invaded? Oh, privacy is being invaded because you're allowing it to be invaded. You're giving up privacy every fucking day for convenience and time. They're not invading. You're giving it up. You know you're being watched right now. You don't give a fuck. It's true. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Here's what I think happens. Do you guys know who Len Bias is? Len Bias was one of the best basketball players of all time in college and unfortunately two days after he was drafted third overall in the NBA, he died from a drug overdose he, had, he overdosed on cocaine. He's from the University of Maryland. Nancy Reagan was super anti-drugs. Very conservative president on, on that issue. And the gun, and the gun. And the, it's funny where I'm going with this. You can see where my head's going. My punchline is the drug laws changed here forever. Here's my thing on privacy. We don't give a fuck because the punchline of society is people are unbelievable. As much as the mainstream media wants to tell you about the one person who, who has emotional issues that will shoot 25 people in a club and it's the worst. It's the worst. You know what? Do me a favor if you're curious about this. Do you know that CNN did a series called the 60s and the 70s? I don't know if this hit your radar, probably not. But they did. There was eight series. If you have Netflix, go to it. Go watch the one on terrorism in the 70s. There were more terrorist acts domestically in the 70s in this country by 10X than what's going on now. It's unbelievable actually. So. What, what people don't realize is we paint the wrong pictures. The reason none of us care about privacy is because people are good. We're not doing that much bad with the privacy. What are you, sad that Toyota's following you around the internet and putting banner ads in front of you? <laughs> right? Like we don't do that many bad things with it. And so I think we give up privacy. Now here's the punchline. I believe that somebody like Beyonce or Rihanna is gonna get killed because of a social media post of where she is, somebody with the wrong mindset, and that everything changes that next day. Because we can kill 50 children in a a school and not react, but when somebody kills one of our top 10 celebrities because of this, everything will change. It's just who America is. So, unfortunately, what I'm trying to figure out is what happens to privacy post the assassination of a celebrity on the back of No privacy. We got deep. (laughs) You like that one, right? That's why they're paying me the big bucks, Daria. This is the shit that I think about. Gina. It's um, okay. a two-part question. Gina. It's not two different questions, it's two parts. I mean, not everybody's gonna even be able to ask their question, and you've jumped in with a two-part question? I mean, the first one, I mean, you could just give a real easy answer to this one. Um, okay, so, you know, you always talk about this company's growing. Yep. And there's rumors that the studio is expanding and getting a bigger space. That's not a rumor, that's true. Okay, and they're all talking about how there's going to be more open positions. Yes. So May 2017. Yes. I'm going to be up for grabs. Great. Let's rewind, you just said winners give winners chances. Yes. I think I'm a winner. You do. And I think you should give me a chance. Well, I think we already gave you a chance. Aren't you sitting in front of us? (laughs) So Uh, let me say this, (laughs) Gina. Listen, here's the good news. Our ratio of people that have been interns that even, as long as they were not the worst thing we've ever seen and super inappropriate, our conversion rate on interns that have wanted to work here is staggering. I promise you that you have a unbelievable advantage over anybody else that wants your spot in May 2017. Now, when I dig under the hood, I may find out that you are the single worst person that's ever come through (laughs) this organization and that would eliminate that statement. But my gut tells me that's probably not the case. Yeah. You are like a firm believer in you know the whole notion that people work their way up, so, like meritocracy, meritocracy. Love meritocracy. So, being said, like if I were to come back here next year and get a job, right now everybody, like like everybody in the studio, like they, they love they love me, but they I'm the best photo assistant. How do I like, break that notion in their head that I can do more than carry gear Like, How do I get it into their heads? Because the more I hustle, like, the longer hours I stay, I'm just like an even better photo assistant. So how do I make them like, realize I can do this? That's the DNA of this. Co- that, that to me is like the easiest, th- that, that's almost as e- I said the other thing was easy, like this is easy. That's what we do every day. I mean, like, The good news is, unlike when I promised these guys that, they didn't know. I don't know, go talk to every fucking person that works here. They've got the same fucking story you do. Because it happens every day. I'm not the biggest fan of modern day education under the context of the following. Anybody who takes on debt to learn entrepreneurship or marketing in today's college environment is getting fucked. Yep. (laughs) You need to find the places where a formal education isn't the prerequisite to success. Justin, if you don't have, it wasn't in my best interest to go try to get a job at Goldman Sachs. They weren't looking for me. So I went to the place that I could which is my dad's liquor store where the market was gonna decide who I was. Not different than Molly's thing, right? Like if you're a hustler, go talk to other hustlers. They know what it looks like. Harvard stan is not gonna love it as much, you know? So don't, don't sell to the unsellable. This is back to minorities, women, things of that nature. Find the places where it's sellable. Don't try to impose your will. Like, Don't go try to prove to some place where you know they give a shit about what school you went to that you've got it. And they don't give a fuck. They're gonna find the kid that's got it and has the fucking degree that they give a shit about. Find the guy who disrespects the degree and work there. You're lucky, bro. Because I didn't grow up in the environment you did. Do you know how much of a hero I would have been for making three, dollars $4,000 a weekend as a kid? And I was looked at as a loser. I was making $3,000 a weekend but because I got a D in fucking English, I was a loser. I wish I was growing up in this generation. I'd be in fucking magazines and like heralded as the next this and that. But I didn't get the, you're you're so lucky. We've never lived in a world where a formal education has mattered less. That's just the truth. Like I lived 20 years ago where anybody here who had a who's going to a fancier school than me looked down on me. Now people are smarter to be like, they still may look down and and I don't think they're wrong. It's just enough people know there's a lot of alternatives brewing and shit's gotten weird. Just the way it is. So the question is, with social media, how do people perceive others differently now because of it and how do they perceive themselves? I believe that all of you are the PR agent of yourself. I believe that you guys go to places and concerts and events just to take the photo to deploy so that you can message to everybody who you are. I think it's fucking cool. Some people think it's sad or whatever. I think it's always happened. It's what we do. You're wearing the clothes you're wearing right now to tell us who you are. That's what we do. We express ourselves. It's just what we do. And I think we now all have scale of media to do it. Now, when you ask the second part of the question it gets really interesting because I do think that, for example, young teenage girls, some of you might have gone through this. Social's in a little bit of a different place than some of you. One of the most interesting things I find is that I think <laughs> for the people in the analytics world here, I think that there's a lot of 13-year-old teenage girls that understand analytics better than the people that work here <laughs> because just literally putting up content, looking at how quickly it's liked, understanding where it's going to end up with how many likes, pulling it down cuz you didn't like the engagement or the like that whole game is fascinating to me and I I do believe that people some people that lack self-esteem are wrapping their self-esteem up into their engagement, their likes, their followers, and you know that has its dangers, just like anything else has always had their dangers. So I think it's an interesting time, but I think um, I think you subconsciously don't even realize that you're PRing yourself at scale. That's why I love live events and live divisions, because I think like it's unbelievable how much I don't think people realize the rise of music festivals has a lot more to do with social media than anything else. What's been my biggest challenge? How do I overcome them? I think the biggest challenge I've had is, I would say that, you know, the transition from, the thought of leaving my family business was really tough. Right? I didn't want to let my dad down, you know? AJ was coming and I knew he wanted to do something with me and I knew that he didn't want to do it with my dad. (laughs) So it was just a lot of, that was really a tough period for me. Um, You know, I'll be very honest with you, like, it's no different than the 1% doubt. Like, I, I'm sure you guys get this sense. I struggle with holding on to negativity. I actually think our culture is good because I'm uncomfortable in negativity. And, like, that's why nobody's able to really roll with it more than anything because nobody's better than me. Like, nobody's gonna drive bigger business results for this company than me. And thus, if they're bringing negativity, they'll bring me down enough to not let me do my thing. And so, it's so funny, I hate your question. Not only because I want to give you a good answer and like I'm gonna bullshit it. Like I don't know, like the, the realest answer is I haven't dealt with my toughest thing yet because I haven't dealt with the death of one of my inner seven people, right? That will be my hardest. When one of my parents, my wife, my children, my siblings or their spouses, if God forbid one of them were to die, that's my biggest challenge. Other than that, like, I got real fucking lucky. I just think it's all easy. I really do. Because I don't, here's why. Because if you told me right now Vayner could be 40,000 people and eight billion in revenue but I have to lose two of the people that I just mentioned in the next five years or it will never get bigger than this and I get to hold on to those eight people for the next 30 years guaranteed. (laughs) Right? It's just not even a conversation. So that's cool. I just know what I'm wired in, which is, as hardcore business as I am, and entrepreneur, and I want to buy the Jets and all that. It just doesn't mean that much to me in the scheme of things. Right now, let's do uh, it. So if you could go back in time right now and give your 20 or 21-year-old self advice, D. Rock knows this answer. Oh God, is H. R. around? Yeah, we're all H. R. So like, yeah. <laughs> you can say it. You can say it. Uh, so this is the real answer because I want to stay consistent. I literally would have said to hook up more. Because, because, you, because you heard like, like I really went all into my business. Like I literally like, like cute girls were like let's go out and I'm like no, no I have to go to the baseball card store. Like, like real weird crazy shit in hindsight. So that's the real answer. I don't know if that maps for you guys. <laughs> That's the real answer. Uh, You know, I think, I think, here's what I will say. Here's something that will bring you guys value. If you knew that I'm sitting here as a 40-year-old, twice your age, and I know, not only, like, that I truly, genuinely feel that you, like, I'm laughing right now inside because I literally think that we're friends and homies in the same age. And I really mean it. Like when I play basketball with those guys, I just don't know my guy. Like, we, like we're the same, right? Like I genuinely think you and I are the same. But I also know that when I was 20 and I saw a 40-year-old dude I was like, that dude's so fucking old. <laughs> <laughs> like it's so crazy how old I know like you're thinking I am and how insanely, deeply I feel like we're, aren't we the same, Austin? Like, like I genuinely believe we're the same and here's why I'm telling you that. If somebody told me that, if I'm able to break through to one of you that truth, you'll be much more patient and you'll think about shit differently. If I told you you're gonna feel exactly the same on fire, hungry, change the world, do your thing, make your mark, all that stuff in 20 years, exactly the same. Maybe more but exactly the same. I think it would change you. I wish you could know that to be as true as I know it to be. So I think I would tell my 20-year-old self like, and it goes back to like hook up it's like look, you've got plenty of fucking time to do it all. And like yeah, it's gonna take a lot of hard work to do the insanity you want but that's what I would tell myself. Like that you will not believe how young you will feel at 40. Like, what's that? <laughs> cool. Let's keep it in mind once you guys get questions answered. Social media the cocktail party. Uh, I was wondering if you feel like it's being overcrowded as a lot of these major platforms are adopting similar features. I think where you see the future of social going in the next ten or so years. So I think Twitter is the cocktail party of the internet. Because it's the one place we can all go when something happens. Everything else we just push out content. Even you know, even people with small followings stunningly don't read every comment when they push something out, things of that nature. Um, I'm not sure where it's going. I, I think the thing that's really, you know, the truth is I get a lot of credit for like predicting shit. I don't predict things, I just react quickly. You know, like I'm just spending a lot more time figuring out musically than you guys. That's all. So I'm not sure. I really don't know. I do know that VR will be the thing that trumps the internet itself. Like that you guys are young enough to live in a VR platform world versus an internet platform world and that's crazy. The fact that all of you will be walking around with contact lenses and seeing random other shit right now, Fuck. Like, you know, there's real shit. You you know, you're too young to know what I know, which is when I was sitting in here and I would have raised my hand if I was here and be like, I'm going to launch a website for my dad's liquor store. Everybody would have laughed at me and thought it was the stupidest shit they've ever heard. Like, I don't think you guys realize that at your young 40 year old self, you just might be sitting on a beach in San Diego full time and living your life through that. Like, shit's going to get crazy. Like, I actually think you guys might be young enough to actually become robots one day. I know that that's not a joke which is why I'm laughing. I know, I know that you're not joking. I genuinely think some of you may live to 200 years old. I'm so pissed I'm not you. I think I just miss it. I'm gonna be so pissed. I'm gonna be so pissed if that's what ends up happening. I feel like there's gonna be this weird thing that happens where like there'll be some technology changes where they're like, oh, okay, anybody who's super healthy and 35 and under, they're gonna actually live to 250 but everybody else and above is actually just gonna live at normal and I'm gonna be pissed. Right? I really want to live. Happen. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know, but here's what I can promise you, and it's super not different than how we're gonna differentiate and stay ahead. Is I don't know, but I promise you, I'll react to it real fucking fast. Um, so I was wondering, what is it that you feel really drives you, and how do you find that, so what are you uh, looking forward to? What am I looking forward to in? In the Olympics, it is unbelievable to me how little I give a fuck about the Olympics. (laughs) I'm it's Maddie, it's so crazy. Like, I don't give a shit. They've they've somehow been able to create a scenario where it has become the most irrelevant thing to me in my life. And I don't know and I'm like born in Russia. So like the Olympics were super cool for me as a kid because it was Russia versus America when I was a kid. And like fucking, I was like, oh, who do I root for? Why am I weirdly rooting for Russia? Am I a spy? Like, you know, like, a, you know like, like, <laughs> like so weird. But, but um, so not much for it to be over. Um, and then as far as, what was the first part of the question? Um, what drives you? What drives me? I think I'm an underdog. Like I think ultimately my story is gonna be pretty basic which was I wasn't born here. My first interaction with American kids when I was like four in Dover that I don't talk about at all, ever, was they forced me to drink pee out of a Pepsi can, you know? Yeah, I didn't speak English, like outcast. I was four foot 11 my freshman year of high school. That was an underdog. Um, You know, like I was a bad student and the system told me I was shit. Um, I hated Kobe Bryant his whole career until the last two years when he was washed up. I hated Tiger Woods when everybody loved him and he was dominating. Now I love him when he's not winning. I'm just underdog driven. The Yankees and Rangers I don't give a shit about anymore because they won. Like so I only keep the teams and care about the teams that are climbing. I'm just, I'm in for the climb. I have a chip on my shoulder and I'm I'm, I'm underdog driven. And it drives the fuck out of me. It's genuinely why I believe my son has no prayer to beat me ever. Because he'll be super privileged, he's gonna live on the Upper East Side. He has a home in Bridgehampton. He fucking is gonna go to town school. He's gonna like, he's gonna fly private to the fucking Super Bowl. He's fucking finished. (coughs) You know, kill him. (laughs) Anna. can I get some advice for someone who wants to be a social media influencer? Yeah. Sure. To be a social media influencer, Anna. You have to have something to say that people give a fuck about. So, cool. Like, you basically said, how do I get a bunch of people to give a fuck about me? And I think it starts with, like, I'll give you, a, I'll actually give you a really good piece of advice. It's probably the thing I can probably answer the best. Only your truth. Only your truth. Because it's the only thing you got. Everything else is like everybody else's. Only your truth. You know what that means? You gotta be brave. You gotta go to those places you don't wanna go. Got it? And then you gotta tell the world about it. It's all you got. Because it's not a hack, it's not be smart with hashtags, it's not go JV with another influencer. It's, at the end of the day, no matter how much, I can fucking give you love on my Snapchat story for the rest of the year, if you can't do anything with that love, you're not gonna win. And the only thing that I've seen really, really work that has any longevity. Look, you can have cute little blue eyes and be Nash Greer for two years, right? You can be like, you can like, like everybody, like, you know, like, what I don't think people realize is like there's only so much tits and ass you can show on Instagram. And (laughs) like, 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 to have true longevity, the only thing you've got is your truth. Can you just talk a little bit about when you and AJ were thinking of changing locations? Like what was the discourse between you and Steven Ross? Was he like, hey, like hell yeah, like, this is it. How do we think about moving here with Steven Ross? And So Steven's obviously our business partner. He's the biggest real estate developer in the world. He's building the biggest project in New York. We're growing and the funniest part is the whole time I'm like no way, no way. I'm not going fucking fancy. I'm not paying that fucking rent. No way, no way, no way. And then truth is I just really negotiated hard core with them and price kept coming down. Terms kept getting better. We kept growing. There was only so many floors available. (laughs) And I was just like, ugh. And so like, the truth is it just worked out that we became big enough to afford it at the time that it became available. But I never aspired, I'll be very honest with you, I've said it. I mean it. And I'm real worried that everybody here has gotten too fancy because of it. I'm super scared of it. This is fucking nice. Like we have real serious people coming through the last week and they're like, whoa. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> like, if this fucking fucking fancy fucker thinks this is whoa, we're in deep shit. I mean it. I genuinely mean it. Now, on the flip side, you know how nice it is? Like, I'm so happy that, do you know how nice it is that people get to have flavored seltzer? Um, you know. So, there were, that's really just how it worked out. Did that, did the future of this area influence you? No. Exercise? There's no romantic story of how we got here. <laughs> it was just fucking, I was not like, oh, I couldn't wait for Neiman fucking Marcus. This is what she's working at right now. She's like, what are the talking points <laughs> of how we here? She's <laughs> hustling. Yeah, you're not gonna sell five million dollar apartments on my thesis. <laughs> I'm, Andres, I'm talking to you after so I'm going to skip you. To sneak you go ahead. Okay, so with like all the advances in technology, so many people and adults also nowadays are like, oh I wish we could go back to the good old days and we talk in person. Are there any apps or technology that you wish didn't come out? No. Evolution is evolution, right? Like, I, I, no. You know, like the good old days are not as good as you think. Like, that's just old people talk. Like, tell Grandma Sue to f- shut the fuck up. <laughs> do you guys, do you guys, do you guys, do, you, do you guys remember, do you guys remember, have you guys seen that photo that everybody loves to point to? I don't know if you've seen this. It's the photo of when the Pope came and everybody's got a, like the camera and there's that one 90-year-old woman and she's looking and everybody wants to make her a star for she really captured, she didn't capture shit she's 90, she already forgot, and if she took a photo, she could have enjoyed herself today. But instead, she had no idea. I'm being dead serious. I think that old woman lost and everybody wants to make her a hero. Like, no, because this is the way it is. And like, we, we have proven for much longer than our grandparents have been around that we evolve. If a caveman was dug up right now from fucking 3,000 years ago and plopped right here, it would be like, what the, f-? Like, 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 they thought, like, they told us the telephone was bad. Do you know what, did you see this article I sent you guys? You might have on started, I don't know, are you on the team, Gary Elias, did they put you on or no? Oh, yeah. Got it. So, The kaleidoscope, do you know what the biggest problem in the world in 1816 was? Was people walking around with a kaleidoscope in real life and it ruined us. No, so no, you couldn't even imagine. I love debating with people that have ideological like romances of how it was. Like, no, you take the good with the bad. Whatever makes you sad about the way we are now, there's eight billion good. Like, do you know that my generation, and I'm still not that much older than you, like lost touch with high school friends and never to be talked to again until nine years later miraculously on Facebook? Like, there's so much good. Do you know how much more social you are? I love when people are like, you're not social. You're dramatically more social than your parents were. It may happen in different form. So what, writing a letter is so much more noble than texting somebody? What the fuck is the matter with people? Like, the girls that I grew up in high school that had a phone in their room and lay there all day and watched Saved by the Bell and talked on the phone for 14 hours a day? That was so much greater than what you're doing? That's just old people talk who are sad. It's defense. What kind of client for Maynard do you think would help us like do the best work and like work? That's a great question. I think one that found the, the, the best client for us to do the best work, I think one that was open-minded but was grounded in truths so not letting us get too like you need to do the next thing but was open, like just open-minded. In the same way I am about, around technology, I'm just open-minded about it. Like, everybody defaults to anything that's changed is bad. Let me just go back, Holly. I'm sorry because I'm still so pissed about this question. <laughs> In a great way. People always, you know like, like, I don't know if your parents or grandparents or old people that you know ever did this. When you go to a restaurant or if you do it and see a couple sitting there and they're both on the phone and you're like, oh, that's so sad. I don't think that's sad. Let me tell you from an old person's perspective what I see. That same couple 15 years ago, they were sitting there and they just were stand, sitting across from each other not saying a fucking word. Their relationship is broken. The phone isn't the reason. Technology is just exposing who you are, not changing you. So the client, open this. So I watched your video on August and how it's such <laughs> a critical moment. Yes, I'm obsessed with August. Yes. And I feel like there was more things than that that you wanted to why is August so critical to get I just think August is the most interesting fucking month. It's the month when most people shut it down. And I think the best time to put it on is when everybody else isn't. It's also the month right before shit gets real. From a business standpoint, September to December, like that's prime time. That's when the culmination of everything kind of hits. And so I find it fascinating that people like, it's kind of like if you're running a marathon and like, on the third way through, you're like, stop. You gotta start up again? Fuck. Got it? So I really took advantage of August my whole career. But as you saw in that video, there's the alternative. For people like me, Like next Wednesday, I'm ghost until the day after Labor Day and I'm pumped about it. I miss my family. Like, I need that three weeks, you know? Awesome. What did you do with your spare time in college? I, I played a, a lot of Madden football. And I sold shit. I mean, every day in college, it's funny, my college friends have been reminding me of shit I forgot. Like, I would go to the dollar store, buy shit, and try to sell it on eBay. And I had very little downtime. I went home every single Friday. Think about this I went home every Friday to go work at the liquor store and then come back Sunday night. It's just what I wanted. You know, I was. I just knew, I knew who I was. I knew what it was. I knew, I knew what was happening. Um, kind of going back to patience. Patience. When launching a new business or like your brain child, when launching that, do you think it's important to get on social and start moving early or is it better to sit back and wait to the I, I think it's so, earlier to Julian's question, like I think it's important for you, in the beginning of your business if anybody wants to start one, only do the thing that you're best at. Like so if you're just good at selling, like just sell. Don't worry about your marketing. If you're good at marketing, if you learn something here, do that. What people do, it's like you know, you'll have this experience one day maybe, like, it's like what do you expect from a three-year-old child? Like my little guy Xander, he's about to turn four next week. Like sometimes he'll do things, he's got an older sister so we forget, we're 40 and 35, Like we forget. He's fucking 44 months old. <laughs> like what do you want from him? You know what I mean? And I think a lot of people try to do everything in the beginning of a business. Your business is a baby. VaynerMedia didn't look like this seven years ago. We were making up shit in a conference room half the size of that. And, like, what do we do? (laughs) Like, let's build websites. Uh, You know, like, so that's what I would do. All right, let's go. How do you dream so big? I dream so big because my mom allowed me to. And, like, and I will tell you that I will, that. The single biggest reason I think I have a public persona is because I feel so damn guilty of how perfectly parented I was. And if I can give you guys even a little bit of something your parents might not give you, then I'll accomplish paying back what I think I was gifted. That's why Henley, because my mom really made me feel like I could. What my mom did really well was she praised me for my good things but didn't allow 8th place trophies. Meaning, if I, did, if I lost, she wasn't like you won, like the, all these fucking stupid modern parents. Like, no, 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 he lost. Like, I mean, fuck, oh my God. I tell Lizzie, I'm like so petrified of the Upper East Side. I'm like, no, no, if you lose, you lose. Like, Xander, my little guy Xander, he will not score a basket on me in basketball for the next 15 years. That's 100%. AJ, I wish he was, he's here actually but he just left. I wish you guys could talk to him. AJ didn't score a basket on me until he was like 15. A basket. And so, she did that well but more importantly if I opened the door, I'll never forget this. I opened the door for a lady at McDonald's when I was like nine, you would have literally thought that I fucking won the Nobel Peace Prize. She, She made that such a big deal and I think that's what she did well and so that's why I think I can dream big because I just feel it, you know? Thanks. You got it. L.A.? So, um, during the last maybe six or maybe like six or seven weeks or so, whatever the fuck it is, um, I've been trying to work as hard as I can to try to you know, put myself in a position to work here and, and what have you. Um, I guess what my question is, is that I've been working so hard, I've been doing everything I can and people have been telling me they are doing a good job but um, it still doesn't feel like enough yet. Like I remember one time there was an article put out that you said that when you buy the Jets that's gonna be like your worst day ever <laughs> because you'll finally have done what you've been trying to do all this time. It's gonna suck. Um, so I guess that's the question. You know, What are we working towards if we're never satisfied with what we got until we get it and then it's over. And what then, do you mean? So if that's how you're wired you're just as lucky as I am. Anybody who's lucky enough to love the process more than the thing has fucking won because you spend a lot more fucking time on the process than the thing yeah shit yeah <laughs> peter peter like like and by the way like i i promise you if you decide to apply, apply permanently cuz you said you wanted to get a job here i per, i'm personally emily make sure this happens i'm personally going to write you the note that you got the job and it's going to say i'm sorry i'm sorry you got the job <laughs> Harris, let's go. Cool. Um, my question is I thought I was really, really competitive at first and then I played you in basketball at <laughs> BM7 and realized I'm not competitive at all. Okay. Um, and then I had to step up my game. Do you think you get more competitive uh, with the people that are around you or? Yes. You kinda, yeah? Actually, you know what? I'm so proud of you for asking this question. Actually, I really do have, I'm surprised I'm so excited by this. I have a good piece of advice actually. Start trimming your friend group and start adding to your friend group predicated on what you want to be? The answer is absolutely, my man. Like, you absolutely, I am stunned how much more I am like my wife and how much more she is like me even though we started at very polar places. It's just true. Who you hang out with, like there is such a smart hack to like and it's really, like that cliche thing like you are like the byproduct of the people, like all that, that's real. Super real. So maybe this is a good year for you to like kind of audit that first day back, look around, maybe know a friend of a friend. And if you like what you see, go explore it and try to be around it. Because yeah, man, I think that you got more competitive by being around me. And I can tell you right now, I know everybody on my team, they're different. I'll tell you one thing that I can tell you firm about D-Rock and Nate for sure. I'll give you those two examples. They're off fuckload more confident they were than they were when they came into my life because my confidence rubbed off on them. Straight up. Andres? Uh, basically my question is, uh, kind of on Bostons, like what did a typical weekend look like for you in college? I worked every single weekend of my college life at the liquor store, and then I watched a Jets game on Sunday in the fall, and then I took Amtrak back to Boston, and during January through uh, May I worked every weekend. I mean I literally spent 7 weekends in 4 years in college. 7. 7. So I just worked. What were the for? Seven? New girlfriends. Yeah, <laughs> 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 That's really it. Did you ask a question? Did, oh, I'm so, so Andres, you fucking yeah. jerk. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry, I didn't see you. I'm um, so at the all hands meeting. You were talking about how the I G-Path. Yes. So what's your advice to an entry-level creative? The good news is creative is wide open, meaning you can go directly, you can apply to be a junior copywriter. You know, the truth is, I'm gonna talk to Babcock about that later this year. There's a tricky little thing with the creative thing. We're in a place where, we're in a place where there's a lot of business advantages to hire somebody who's done it for a year somewhere else. But I don't like that part. And so I'm trying to figure out what's right. I don't want to be romantic about my own thing. Right? I don't want to be ideological in my own way. So the truth is I don't know. Actually it's a great way to like end this which is I, this is one thing I really don't have an answer for because I definitely don't have the answer that I want for people. Um, I don't know. But I can tell you that I definitely want to try to figure out a way that people could get that job straight out of school because they do it in every other place, so why can't we? I just need to know how Steve wants creative to judge that person because I need to understand it. Guys, thanks for your time. Thank you. Yeah. Guys, thanks so much for listening to the audio experience. It would mean the world, and I mean the world, if you could go and leave a rating on iTunes. Your word of mouth is my oxygen.